You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of the inappetent horse with Dr. Kelly Vineyard of Purina Animal Nutrition. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. My co-host today is Equimanagement Digital Content Manager, Carly Sisson. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Merck Animal Health. Vineyard, MS, PhD, is a senior nutritionist with the Equine Technical Solutions at Purina. She has played a role in developing many new products for Purina Equine, including the Purina Supersport Amino Acid Supplement. Dr. Vineyard holds a master's degree and a doctoral degree in equine nutrition from the University of Florida and a Bachelor of Science from Auburn University. She joined Purina in 2008 as a research equine nutritionist. Her published work includes articles in Journal of Animal Science and Journal of Equine Veterinary Science, and she has a chapter in the textbook Equine Applied in Clinical Nutrition. Thank you, Dr. Vineyard, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about the inappetent horse. Okay, thank you so much for having me. So at what point should a veterinarian be concerned about a horse that doesn't really have a good appetite? Well, I like to say, you know, anytime a horse doesn't want to eat, um, you can take that as a warning sign. So you should, you know, anytime they don't want to eat, you should pay attention and, and be concerned. You know, that being said, um, there are many different reasons which we can go into as to why horses may not want to eat. So, but if you think about from a physiological standpoint, when, um, you know, the body is going to start to suffer from, from not getting nutrition. I mean, if you have a healthy horse that has nothing else, you know, underlying going on, 24 to up to 72 hours of feed, complete feed deprivation is really, it's not going to have many lasting systemic effects, you know, up until that point. Um, And I I like to say sometimes you'll have horses that get stressed. Maybe they go to a horse show for the weekend and they don't eat very well, or maybe they don't eat at all for two days. They're probably going to bounce back pretty quickly and we don't have to get too concerned about that. On the other hand, if you have a sick horse, you know, maybe in the hospital that has some underlying disease, um, you know, their metabolism increases during sickness and they're in a hypermetabolic state. So um, it is much shorter at that point where we do need to start to worry about complete feed deprivation. Um, You know, they're going to have a faster onset of catabolic processes. Um, They're going to have greater muscle mass loss in a quicker period of time than a healthy horse would. So, so that at those with those sick horses, you're really looking at 24 hours feed deprivation to, you want to do intervene at that point to prevent some of these catabolic losses. Okay. And I know we talked about stressed horses at horse shows possibly coming off their feed, but what are some other common causes of inappetence in horses? Well, they're, they're very, very many, and I like to sort of break them down into two categories, either, you know, health-related or non-health-related. So let's start with non-health-related because that's a little more straightforward. And I will tell you as a nutritionist, the number one non-health-related reason for horses to go off feed is their owners are feeding too many supplements. And I know that sounds very basic, but it is um, very commonly something I see 
Um, someone has, uh, is starting to be concerned about their horse not finishing their feed and they come to me as a nutritionist for help. And I start asking about supplements and almost always there's number one, multiple supplements and number two, um, some supplements that we know that horses find to be very unpalatable, um, salt actually can be one of them, um, but also herbs tend to be very unpalatable to horses. Um, there's a long list of others. So the first thing I like to do, let's take out all supplements and see if your horse will just eat whatever it is you're trying to get them to eat, whether it's a balancer or a concentrate or alfalfa pellets or whatever it is, um, pull out all supplements. Number two, non-health related reason, it could be that the feed is contaminated. Um, moldy feed uh, is very impalatable to horses. I pay attention to that, if, if especially if the whole barn is not eating. Um, all of a sudden, um, either maybe they all have a fever and are, have, are sick, or on the other hand, perhaps there's something wrong with the feed. It's either moldy, um, maybe it's contaminated with mycotoxins. Um, those can make feed unpalatable. And so that at that point, if you suspect a problem with the feed, you know, as a practitioner and you're working with, you know, a horse owner, um, it's really best to get a sample of that feed, try to get the date code of that feed. Um, if it's still, if the bag is still available and contact the manufacturer, you know, report it, you know, either maybe it's visible mold or maybe you just want to report, you know, these horses aren't eating this feed. And that way the manufacturer can look into it, you know, and make sure there's, you know, maybe not a widespread problem. Um, dirty feed pans uh, is an, another common one. I've multiple times I've had like raccoons defecating in the feed pan and the owner didn't notice it. And so make sure the feed pan's clean. There's nothing contaminating that. Um, so those are some of the kind of the big ones for non-health related. And then, you know, as far as Health related, I mean, definitely the list is a lot longer. We talked about stress, overtraining, um, along with that, gastric ulcers. I, I would say, you know, gastric ulcers is a very uh, tell, you know, it, going off feed is a telltale gastric ulcer sign, um, kind of if you eliminate a lot of the non health related reasons. Certainly any type of pain or critical illness or trauma, you know, obviously fevers. Um, and then, you know, there are nutrient imbalances that can actually um, cause horses to be inhabitant, uh, specifically B vitamin deficiencies. And a lot of times those B vitamin deficiencies can be related to lack of proper uh, fiber intake um, because the microbes in the hindgut are typically going to be producing all the B vitamins the horses need. If they're not getting appropriate fiber, um, those hindgut microbes aren't working properly. So there's definitely an imbalance going on. Um, so that can lead to some inappetence. And certainly there's, you know, you know, I mentioned pain, specifically mouth, teeth. You know, those are obviously some of the first things you're going to go to. And then medications. And I think the, the big one we all think about is pergolide. So horses on pergolide sometimes will lose their appetite. And so we can take steps to, um, number one, be patient with those horses, um, but also maybe trying to find that right dose that, you know, manages um, PPID effectively, but also doesn't take away their appetite entirely. So that can be a little bit of trial and error, too. Certainly not a comprehensive list, but in my experience, those are some of the, the most common ones. Right. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Banamine, Flunix and Megalamine Injection from Merck Animal Health.
The pioneer NSAID for horses in the U.S., Banamine goes to work quickly to alleviate pain and inflammation from musculoskeletal disorders and visceral pain from colic to horses in your care. Don't get caught on call without Banamine. Find out more at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. Do not use Banamine in horses intended for human consumption. The effect of Banamine paste on pregnancy has not been determined. See product label for complete safety information. So what can you recommend to entice horses to eat? And maybe you can talk about enticing a horse who's sort of chronically inappetent and talking about um, a sick horse that maybe is acutely inappetent. Right. Because it's kind of two different things there. So if you're there, there are feeds that horses tend to find more palatable than others. Um, you know, it's even just like people, you know, some of us are foodies and we're willing to try anything and we we like variety. And then some of us are not. And we like to eat the same thing every day. Like my kids do, you know, they're, they're not <laughs> too big on trying new things. Um, so knowing the horse, I do think there are individual variances there. That being said, let's say a horse is, you know, coming off an illness or we're trying to get them, they're still maybe uh, have an appetite, it's just not voracious. Number one thing I like to go to is green grass. Fresh green grass, you know, whether you have to hand graze them or if you can turn them out, you know, if a horse won't eat fresh green grass, there, there's a problem. They're, they're probably pretty, still feeling pretty bad. The fresh green grass is always a good um, place to start. And I don't think it's a shocker to anyone to know that horses tend to prefer sweet feed over other types of feed. So that would be like a grain-based feed that has some molasses on it. And um, in this case, this is it can absolutely be your best friend as a practitioner when you're trying to entice a an appetite horse to eat, you know, a pound or two or three uh, in a meal of sweet feed. You know, obviously, if they're insulin resistant, we may not want to go that route. But otherwise, um, it can be very helpful in getting horses back to eating again. Um, straight oats is another, you know, more carbs. So here's your theme. Horses like carbs, right? But um, straight oats uh, are very good. And then on the hay side, um, typically alfalfa hay tends to be the most palatable. I'm not talking about stemmy alfalfa hay. I'm talking about the nice leafy green alfalfa hay, maybe even shaking the leaves out of it and just offering the leaves to the horse. That could certainly tempt some horses to eat. Um, Bran mashes. Uh, another good one, um, Purina just came out with a product called Replenimash, which is a nutritionally balanced mash. So, you know, the kind of the problem with traditional brand mashes, you know, just a one off is fine. It's not going to cause any imbalances. But on a long term basis, the inverse calcium phosphorus ratio of brand can be pretty problematic. Um, so the Replenimash is, is a product. It, it's got the right ratios. It's got um, electrolytes added um, that will encourage drinking as well. Um, it's got the gastric support outlast. So um, we actually use that and feed it daily to some of these horses in the hospital and also coming off surgeries and things like that. It's a nice way to transition them back to a normal diet. Um, beet pulp heavy feeds. So if you're looking at commercial feeds, like with the Purina line, we have a feed called Omeline 400. That's like my go-to. You know, if you've got a horse that doesn't want to eat, try some Omeline 400. If they won't eat that, 
you know there's a problem because it is it's nice it's beet pulpy there's molasses added to it to make it soft but it's still actually pretty controlled carbohydrate um, that's a really good one senior feeds um, tend to be pretty palatable um, I would say like your pelleted feeds are going to be the least palatable, like just the plain pelleted, no molasses added, um, like a ration balancer. Horses don't like the taste of ration balancers all that much. Fortunately, they don't have to eat much of it. <laughs> um, and so it's usually not a problem. And if they're not sick, they're, they'll eat them. But um, don't expect an appetite horse to be very excited about a ration balancer. Um, and then if you want to think about like flavor enhancers, you know, we do know from some palatability research, there are certain flavors horses are drawn to. We already mentioned molasses. You can keep a jar of molasses in your feed room or, or you know, in the hospital and just pour a little bit of molasses over whatever it is they're needing to eat that can help them. Applesauce is actually another good way. Uh, I've used that before chopping up carrots and apples Horses like banana flavor. Now, now if a horse have ne has never been exposed to banana, they may initially turn their nose up at it, but it actually tends to be quite a popular flavor enhancer. You'll see it in a lot of treats. You'll see it in, in supplements. Um, and just using plain bananas can sometimes, like if you're trying to hide a medicine, that can be good. And my favorite last one I'll mention, which I'm sure a lot of people have never thought about, is carrot flavored baby food. Um, in a pinch, if you really need to try, if you've, you know, tried everything else, some horses really like that um, carrot flavor and in that consistency, um, it can get something, uh, tempt a, a picky horse. Um, don't forget management too with, like you mentioned, the chronically inappetent horse. Um, sometimes um, it might be something in his environment that's causing the horse to not want to maybe they're not maybe maybe they're stressed and they don't want to eat um their full meal and and sometimes there's some you have to play around with it one of the things i've seen in practice is where you feed them in relation to other horses it can go either way some horses um, prefer to eat individually and they would like to be separated or at least you know have where they don't feel like another horse is going to take their feed some horses actually get nervous when they're separated. They would rather eat in a group. So maybe experimentation of where that horse is fed. And also another big thing to experiment with would be meal size. Um, a lot of times horses are just, if you, especially if they're like maybe a thin horse or an old horse that needs to eat a, you know, a senior feed or a complete feed. M smaller, more frequent meals tend to be more palatable and not as overwhelming for some of these horses that eat larger meals. So trying um, playing around with meal size is another good thing to try. Um, and then if you have that chronically or acute, I'm sorry, the acute inappetent horse that just will not eat, you know, if we've gone 24 to 48 hours, there needs to be an intervention. So at that point, you're going to have to think about tube feeding that horse and enteral feeding. And there's a lot of different options, you know, um, homemade diets, the Naylor diet is a popular one. Um, I think most veterinarians has it, have at some point put some equine senior or senior feed in a blender and tried to blend it up and then pass it through a tube and the tube gets clogged and it's frustrating. Um, and 
that's obviously an option. There's also um, a product that we actually just came out with. Well, it's been out for several years now. It's one of the first products I worked on personally when I came to work for Purina 14 years ago. Um, it's called WellSolve Well Gel, and it's specifically a horse-focused um, enteral diet. And what's nice about Well Gel, it provides 100% of that horse's um, nutrient requirements in basically about three pounds a day. So the, it's a very low volume, low bulk, but extremely nutrient dense enteral feed. And it can really help bridge the gap as you're trying to get that horse back to eating on its own. You know, you can just tube that horse, you know, twice a day. You can break it into three meals. You can, you know, feed more than three pounds, certainly, um, especially when it goes longer than five days. Um, we, you know, we always encourage veterinarians to reach out to us to help design a specific program for these specific horses that may need to go longer than five days on enteral feeding. But it is a great short-term option, and it's really easy to pump through a tube. I think that's like the biggest benefit to that as well. So um, that's that's definitely a lot of different things with enticing horses to eat or helping horses that can't eat. Experimentation is always going to be necessary, though. <laughs> well, I had always said that um, if, if if you haven't had the chance to go through the Purina Research Farm, that's always a, a fun and educational trip. But they actually have a whole palatability testing area. And I always said, if I have to come back as something, I want to come back as a palatability testing horse because my job is to go out and say, yeah, I like the thing in, in the right-hand bin and not the left-hand bin. And then I get to eat and go back and just play. So, <laughs> so what, is, what have yeah. you, what, what has... But seriously, what has palatability testing allowed you to learn about horses and how they eat and what they like to eat? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to we can learn uh, from horses and they can tell us, you know, what they prefer um, at, at, at the research center uh, with Purina. We do have some some unique palatability testing stalls that we've got set up. Basically, it's a two-choice preference feed comparison. Um, they are on, uh, you know, um, uh, scales that automatically weigh how much the horse eats. We can, you know, time them to uh, time to finish. Normally, in a PAL testing situation, we'll have um, our horses go in twice a day, and they'll get 10 minutes and basically we'll measure how much they eat in 10 minutes and they'll get a two choice preference, you know, one on the left, one on the right. And we'll just change one variable. So say we have like a pelleted feed and we want to look at different rice brand suppliers. Horses can tell the difference in rice bran between, you know, where that rice bran was harvested and where it came from. So whenever we are looking at new suppliers, we'll test uh, the different ingredients. When we're looking at, you know, obviously flavors um, and some of our products, you know, we use different types of molasses blended with oil. Um, that's a really nice way to reduce the sugar and starch but, and also kind of make the flow of the feed go well. But too much oil is not palatable. So we have to figure out what's that right blend of this processed molasses. Um, also different flavorings if, if we're going to add a flavor to some of these um, some feeds or maybe even treats we do palatability testing for treats also um, so you really are and it's not even just an ingredient sometimes it's the inclusion level like you know how how much like 
for example, like in the super sport product, that's an amino acid supplement, we use whey protein. Um, you know, how much whey protein can we get in there before the horse doesn't want to eat it? <laughs> you know, because whey uh, is not something typically very palatable either. But um, that just might be an example of inclusion testing as well. And those horses, um, you would think you'd want voracious eaters to be your pal testers, but actually you don't want voracious eaters. You don't want that piggy horse. He'll just eat whatever. You actually, <laughs> it is good to be a little bit discerning to be a Purina palatability horse um, because that keeps you in the pal herd. Otherwise you get kicked out if you just, you know, would eat anything somebody put in front of you. <laughs> okay. And uh, Dr. Vineyard, is there anything else that you would suggest to veterinarians if they have a horse that that is suffering from inappetence, that's just not eating enough or, you know, in the hospital, we talked about not eating at all. And that, as we know, coming out of surgery, that's a big deal, especially colic surgery to get horses eating again. So is there anything else you can help our veterinarian listeners with? Yeah, again, just anytime a horse is not eating, it is a warning sign. So that just gives you the go ahead to to kind of go through the differentials and, and try to identify if there's a medical reason why they're not eating. Um, we certainly don't want to just go straight to, oh, let's change feeds because if there really is a medical reason for that horse not eating. Um, but in the meantime, as we're figuring that out, we can definitely experiment with different, more palatable feeds to try to entice horses to eat, while, you know, maybe as they're sick or as they're recovering. And then in the hospital, when you have, you know, some of these specific cases, I would encourage veterinarians to reach out to us at, you know, Purina or reach out to a nutritionist. Um, we have a website, equinevetnutrition.com. And when you go there, you can actually request a consult. And that comes straight to me personally. And I'm really happy to work on individual case consults when when there's, you know, kind of a long term issue going on. That's that's part of um, that's part of my job. And for those veterinarians listening to the podcast, you can go to equimanagement.com and we have a, a short summary article for each one of our podcasts. And we'll make sure and include that uh, URL for, to get in touch with Purina if you need to ask them about a specific case. And I will tell you that uh, they stay busy, but they're very responsive because my vet has uh, talked to them many times over the years. So... <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Vineyard, for joining us on this episode of Disease Du Jour. And a big thanks to our audience listening to the podcast and a special thanks to Merck Animal Health who lets us have these conversations. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K brown, at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is part of the Horse Radio Network, the leading podcast network for horse lovers worldwide and a division of Equine Network. 